Well, hey there. Welcome to another edition of The Journey of Hope. Glad you could be with us today. The Journey of Hope is a podcast that's especially designed to address the issues that men and women face after incarceration. Terry Tucker is my guest today. He's going to talk to us about dealing with adversity. Pretty interesting case. I think there might be something in there we can use to apply to our situation, so you'll want to be sure and listen to what Terry Tucker has to say right after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on the Journey of Hope. I'd like to know how you're doing. Let me know. You can catch me at MathersRodney at Yahoo.com, M-A-T-H-E-R-S-R-O-D-N-E-Y at Yahoo.com. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back. My guest today is Terry Tucker. Terry has a book called 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Terry is a cancer warrior, as he calls it, and has been for the last nine years or so. And we are interested in Terry's ability to deal with some very severe adversity, and hopefully we can find some things in his dealings with adversity that we can apply to our situation. Terry, how are you? I'm great, Rodney. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you. That's great. We're looking forward to talking to you as well. As a matter of fact, can we start off by just getting a little bit of your background? Can you fill us in on where it is you're coming from? Sure. So uh, I am uh, the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from my voice, but I am six foot eight inches tall and I played college basketball at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. Despite having three knee surgeries in high school. When I graduated from college, I moved home to find a job. You know, I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And, you know, right. kind of look back now and realize <laughs> what a knucklehead I was to think I knew anything about business because I had a degree. Uh, fortunately, I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my grandmother and my father, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Mm. In terms of my professional career, as I said, I was in marketing with Wendy's. I was a hospital administrator, customer service, a police officer, and did uh, about three and a half years of undercover narcotic work. I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator, had my own school security consulting business. I was a girls high school basketball coach where we lived in Houston. Uh, oh, yeah? motivational speak. Were you in yeah. HISD? Did you coach in HISD? I didn't. I, I was in a, a, a small private school uh, near the medical center called Emory. Okay. Um, and you know, well, basically for the last nine years have been dealing with this very rare form of melanoma. And then finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter. He's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy as an in, and is an officer in the newly uh, created branch of the military, the Space Force. Wow, cool. I was just reading the other day about them. There aren't a lot of people in the Space Force, but, you know, a lot of people that don't, I, this is way off 
topic here, but a lot of people that don't particularly care for Trump, I'm one of those people. But I think the Space Force was the like the coolest thing he did. You know, I think it's really, but I hear a lot of people laughing at it. So I think it's cool. But anyway, so it wasn't just the cancer. Uh, it's the pain associated with the treatment that I believe that I see you writing about and talking about. Um, this is where you began to deal with, you know, your own personal kind of adversity. You talk about how that treatment was toxic. It, it made you, I think it was interferon. It made you, it made you sick. And there you have to begin to deal with this in a way that's rough. Talk to us about that. Let's let us know. Um, how did you approach that? Yeah. So when I had the, you know, when I found out I had cancer, I, I went to MD Anderson actually in mm -hmm. Houston to be treated and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, had the, the tumor excised on the bottom of my foot, had all the lymph nodes cut out of my groin. But as you mentioned, I, when that was finished and when I healed, I was put on this weekly injection of a drug called interferon. Right. And, and basically what interferon did was it gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having wow. the flu every week for five years. And that wasn't for me a cure. That was just to try to keep the disease from coming back. My oncologist used to talk about kicking the can down the road. We're just trying right. to buy you some more time before there's more therapy. So that was, you know, my first having to deal with, you know, a lot of people talk about winning the day. I mean, when I was going through interferon, sometimes winning the day was winning this five minutes. I, I just got to get through this five minutes. I am so sick. I, I feel so terrible. Mm -hmm. And in all honesty, there were days when I, I, I prayed to die. It's mm -hmm. just, please take me away from, you know, th this constant. I, I mean, we've all had the flu but having it every week, I mean, I remember when my oncologist suggested it, I looked at her like, that's just, that's just stupid. That's just, I mean, a normal person would not do this. This is not, I don't care how much, you know, I mean, dying is not that scary for me <laughs> having been through all this crap, mm -hmm. to, be all, to be honest with you, you know? Mm -hmm. So you really have to, I guess, control your mind. And, and that's one thing I, I've come up with my four truths through this nine year odyssey of cancer. And okay. I'll give them to you. They're just, they're just one sentence. I have them on a post-it note. They're sitting here on my desk. I see them multiple times during the day. And the first one is just that you need to control your mind or it will control you. The second one is you need to embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that to make you a stronger and more determined individual. And then the third one is more of a legacy kind of truth, and it's this. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth one is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I use those four truths to kind of help me, you know, decide what I'm going to do with my life. You know, am I going to go down this path of chemo or a clinical trial or whatever it is. So, so those are, those are absolutes for me. Those are things that I know in my heart, you know, are important to me and, and, you know, I guess a way to live my life. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about, let's go a little bit deeper in each one of those. Let's talk about controlling your mind. How do you do that? 
How did you so, learn to do you that? Know, our, yeah, it's it's not easy, you know, because our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. You know, to the to the brain or to the mind, the status quo is good. Just you know, don't mess with it. Things are fine now. Don't don't do anything to get outside that status quo. The problem is the only way you're going to grow, the only way you're going to improve in life is is to do things that scare you. And that's stepping outside that status quo. But as soon as you do that, your brain is going to start attacking you. And it's a self-preservation mode. I, I mean, when I was in high school, I had three knee surgeries. And I remember when I went back playing, my brain was like, uh, you know, Terry, you're probably a step slower and coaches aren't probably going to want to recruit you because you've had all these knee surgeries. So here's this junk, this garbage going on inside my brain. And first of all, you have to recognize that it's there because, I mean, I've read all kinds of articles that say, you know, and, and on any given day, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts that go through our brain. And if you think about it, our brain can hold one thought at a time. Why would you want to make that a negative thought? So realize that you've got this negative crap coming in and then flip the switch and say, no, wait a minute. I'm still playing at an elite level and coaches are still contacting me. So, no, this is wrong. This is false. I got to switch the narrative to something positive. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not something that you're going to. Oh, I had a negative thought. I changed it to a positive one. Everything's great. It's going to take time. But I promise you, if you do it, if you constantly realize those negative thoughts are there, you change them to something positive. Eventually, you'll start recognizing all the positive things that are in your brain. And you also talk about the idea of em embracing the pain. So you, you've you approached the thought life part of it, but the physical pain, um, embracing the pain and the suffering that we all experience in life and use it to make a stronger, more determined individual. This is your second goal on here. Talk to us about embracing the pain is that different than working on your mind um tell us about that yeah it, it, in a way it is because we're all going to experience pain in our lives and it doesn't have to be cancer pain like mine i mean it could be simple stuff like you know you flunk a test at school you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you don't get the promotion at work that you think you deserve Pain is inevitable. We're all going to experience it. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering is optional. Suffering is what you do with that pain. You know, do you take it and use it to make you a stronger, more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and sit down there and feel sorry for yourself, you know, and want others to feel sorry for you? Now, now, please understand, and, and, and I certainly want your, your audience to understand, I mean, I am not, you know, there's no S on my chest. I do not wear a cape. I mean, I have bad days. You know, I cry. I, I get down. I feel sorry for myself. I just don't let myself stay there. And so many people do. They, you know, they get to a point where I, I can't do anymore. I can't go. But you can. What if you took that pain and you flipped it inside and you burned it as fuel or you used it as energy to make you stronger? I mean, again, we know people, you and I both know people that, you know, oh, there's pain. Okay, what am I going to do to mitigate that? Well, I'm going to, uh, you know, drink too much or I'm going to take drugs or I'm going to do behavior that, that isn't good for me. But what if instead of doing that, you use that pain? You you used it to make you strong. Okay, I can take this. I mean, there are, I'm going through a clinical trial now and, and I'm not going to, you know, suffering is, is individualized to everybody. And I don't mean this 
to say that, you know, I'm more uh, suffering any more than anybody else. Cause I'm sure there are a ton of people out there suffering much more than I am. But you know, when you get stuck with the needle 18, 19, 20 times in the day, you know, you get to the point where it's like, this sucks, but I'm going to use that suck to make me a stronger human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. This, uh, this next one, I really want to talk to you about, um, you say number three here is what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And, um, about two, three years ago, I guess it's about three years ago now, let's see, three years ago, I had double bypass surgery. And this is one that since that, you know, event in my life, um, that I kind of think about pretty regularly. Let's talk about that one for a second. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. Tell us what you mean by that. I I, I always ask people to think about sort of the long game, you know, and and, and I'm not telling you to live, you know, based on what other people say or think or do, you know, you've you've got to live your own unique life that's true to yourself. But I I always ask people, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? You know, would your ancestors and, and, you know, in the United States, this isn't necessarily something that's that's big. But but I do podcasts pretty much around the world. Right. And in other cultures, people's ancestors are, are very important to that. You know, what would your ancestors say about the life that you have lived? And, and I just think it's important because, it, you know, at the end of your life, especially when I talk to to young people, I always tell them, you know, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you want to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be the things that you did. They're going to be the things that you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. So that, I think mm-hmm. that legacy, you know, truth for me is just one that sort of keeps that in, in, in perspective. And last year, 2020, I had my, I had my leg amputated above the knee and I also found out I had tumors in my lungs. And so I, I ended up going to, with my wife, to, to the cemetery, to the mortuary, to the church, and I planned my funeral. And I got some brushback from people about that. You know, we're kind of like, you know, you know you're always talking about being positive. Isn't that kind of negative? And, you know, I kind of looked at them like, well, last time I checked, we're all going to die. You know, nobody's working right. on a cure for life right now, you know. So <laughs> I'm like, the, the important thing is, you know, everybody dies but not everybody really lives. And I think that legacy truth for me sort of keeps in perspective. You need to live your life. You need to live it as, as the best you possibly can with whatever time you have left. And don't, don't act casual about your life because by acting casual, your goals, your dreams, your desires, they become a casualty of kind of that unplanned living. I really like what you're saying there, and I can definitely relate to it, and I believe there's going to be some people listening today that that totally understand that. You know, this uh, audience, Terry, is people that have been to prison and are working through Mm -hmm. rehabilitation, and um, your life changes in such a way after prison that you have to reinvent yourself. And I have found by talking to people that thinking about how you've treated people and what people are going to think about you is and and you know how you've touched people 
is one of the things, no matter what the situation is, that you can always be working on, and it's nothing but positive. And so I really appreciate you you including that as one of your truths there. Here's the fourth one. It's as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. It's kind of like uh, if God is for you, who can be against you? I love that. Tell us about how you came to that conclusion. <laughs> Um, sure. Can I can I go back just to, to add one quick story to that? that sure. Yeah. That we go were for talking it. about a minute ago. Yeah. I, I had a nurse uh, when when I initially met her in, in the infusion center. She, she was already a nurse, but she was in training in the unit to to learn how they did things. And a couple months after I, I had initially had her as 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 one of my nurses, she was caring for me just by herself. And I remember one day she came in and she's like, you know, I want to tell you a story, but I'm kind of you know, a little embarrassed to tell you. And I'm like, well, just, just say it. She said, well, and, and, and she's a young nurse. She's probably about 25. She said, you know, when I first met you, I was going to get out of nursing. I was going to, I was in a dark place. I'd had a very good friend of mine die. I talked to my parents. I was going to quit nursing. I was going to go to work for Amazon. And then I met you and I saw what you go through every single day when you're here. And I heard about your life up to this point. And she said, and I knew at that moment that I was where I was supposed to be. And I, and, and I didn't quit nursing. Now, if she had never told me that story, I would have had no idea how my life had impacted her. And I always ask people to kind of think about that. You know, who's out there watching Rodney? Who's out there watching Terry? Who you, don't, you have no idea who they are, but they're watching how you live your life. And they want to be like you. And I think if you keep that in perspective, it, it's one of those things that was like your life can be a symbol. Your life can be, you know, a, a motivation for other people to, to live a better life. To, you know, and there's an old saying from John Wooden, who was a basketball coach at UCLA many years ago, that went like this. It said, a careful person I want to be, a little person follows me. I dare not go astray for fear they may go the same way. So I think it's kind of, you know, our lives are, are basically beacons for other people that we have no idea about. It's interesting you should say that. I, I, I never really, and I'm wondering if this is the same for you, I never really thought along those lines until I had to face, you know, mortality. Um, did you find that to be uh, something that you didn't think about prior to finding out that you had cancer? I certainly didn't think about it as much. I, I mean, it was always kind of something that was there, but I, I can't say I gave it a lot of credence. And, you know, and it, it wasn't until people started saying, hey, your life mattered to me. And it's like, I, you don't even know me, but yet my life mattered to you in some way. My life had a positive impact on your life. And, you know, if you think about that, that's how you live your life. Now, if you're living your life in a negative way, is your life having a negative impact? on other people. And again, goes back to what you leave behind right. is what you weave in the hearts of other people. You know, I think that, and we've, we've mentioned this before on the show. I think that when my days are over on this earth, I want people to think that here's what I want them to think about me. He tried to get it turned around. You know, he yeah. tried to get it going in the right direction. He really tried. And that's what I want my legacy to be. And using the techniques that you're talking about here, these truths that you talk about, is a way to do that. 
And that's why I really appreciate what you've done here, Terry. Listen, I wish we had more time. I feel like we've just scratched the surface here. Terry Tucker is my guest. His book is called Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Terry, thank you so much for being on the Journey of Hope today. Lots of good information. Thank you, Rodney. Thanks for having me. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on the Journey of Hope. Hey, send me an email. Let me know how things are going for you in your reintegration. You got an idea for a show or a guest, send that along too. You can catch me at MathersRodney at Yahoo.com, M-A-T-H-E-R-S-R-O-D-N-E-Y at Yahoo.com. Well, I want to thank my special guest today, Terry Tucker, and I want to remind you that if God is for you, who can be against you? We'll see you next time right here on The Journey of Hope.